Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I am joined by Erin Todd. Erin, thanks for joining me today. Hey Ashley, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So you're the co-host of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women and I, like I told you, I feel like I know you because I've listened to I think almost every episode and maybe a few times on repeat and I've done the workbook and so I feel like I'm talking to a friend. Not Yay! I love that. Friend. That's so nice of you to say. I'm so yeah. glad you feel that way. <laughs> and I've sent it to I think everybody. It's like when I jump on a bandwagon, like I'm on it and I'm trying to get everybody on it with me. I'm the same way. Yes. So I'm really excited about our conversation. Um, last week, if you didn't listen, I went through the 10 principles with my friend Marley, and we spoke about what each of the intuitive eating principles are. So if you didn't listen to that, I'd go listen to that first, because that will set the groundwork for what Aaron and I are going to talk about today, because we're going to go a little deeper into it. And so Aaron, I'd love to just get started. Tell us a little bit about you and then a short little snippet of this journey in intuitive eating. Sure. So I um, live in Florida. I'm an attorney by day and a blogger, podcaster, writer, wannabe at night. <laughs> um, and this is my passion project. The Lord really dropped me into this a couple years ago and saved me from dieting hell. And I just want that for other people. And so this has just been a fun ride to um, get to learn it a little bit. So I'm like maybe one step ahead of um, somebody that's new to intuitive eating, but I'm definitely still like walking this out and figuring it out with with Jesus and with other women. So it's just a delight. Um, and I love, love, love conversations about intuitive eating and faith. So I'm so excited for this today. That's awesome. Yeah. I think when I was first introduced to it, my first thought was this is another kind of diet essentially, but that's the biggest thing that you have to separate yourself from is this is not another diet. This is not another eating plan or lifestyle, like all of those diet culture words. Like this is right. like earth shattering, mind boggling, you know, cultural different, like totally different countercultural. Yeah. And so I want to go through and ask you some questions that may be hard for you to answer because it's asking you to like pick your favorite or the most beneficial. And essentially I would say being newer in this journey that all 10, you can't go without any of them. Like you need right. all 10 of the principles, but I'm going to put you on the spot make you work a little bit on answers, okay. but of the 10 principles that we talked about last week, which one would you say has made the biggest impact on your freedom with dieting hell and to use your words and why? Okay. So just, if you see me referencing, I had to commit these answers to writing because I definitely waffle, but this one was actually easy because the hardest part of intuitive eating is principle one, reject the diet mentality, because that is the part of the whole thing that you've basically been brainwashed into, indoctrinated by living in diet culture. And you have to rewire your brain and your thinking and everything you know and everything you've experienced before in your life in relation to food because most women know dieting. That's what they know. And this is not that. This is re a full-on rejection of that. So you're basically rebuilding everything from the ground up, including the way you think about things, which is often the hardest uh, hardest mountain to climb. 
And, and to your point earlier, it's countercultural. Rejecting the diet mentality is saying, no, I do not believe that thin is better. I do not believe that I need to be thin to be good enough. I do not believe that my body is my currency. Like I'm just rejecting that. And that's basically um, really hard. <laughs> it's hard in its ongoing work. And um, I've even gone so far as for me, since it was really an idol in my dieting days, like to reject it on that basis. Like this is an idol. I'm rejecting that. The diet mentality wants you to treat food and body like an idol. And um, it's selling you like the false gospel of weight loss. Like you will be saved when you hit your goal weight. Not true. Right. And I guess I'm curious now that you're on the journey a little bit further. And I remember Charlie speaking about maybe being in small group and someone going kind of down a, a rabbit trail of diet conversation. And she was like, they know where I stand on this. I can't believe we're having this conversation like right in front of me. And you know, so now that I, it's almost like becoming a Christian. I feel like the veil has been lifted and I see this differently. Like I see people at the gym differently. I question my motives now. Mm-hmm. I walk through the grocery store differently. I open the refrigerator, different, like all these things. And it's like the veil has been lifted and I see it the way God intended. Now I don't always execute the way God intended, but it's like, now I know. Yeah. Just like when you meet Jesus for the first time, it's like, I missed all this before. So I'm curious because right now I feel so sensitive to every diet word, every conversation about what current meal plan or lifestyle someone's on. And if they've exercised, how much was it good enough? And I'm just like, what do I do with all of that? Because again, my eyes have been open. And so I'm still living in that and trying to move into this new realm. But what do you as more experienced intuitive eater, how do you deal with that? So this is what I can say from experience is it just that starts to fade with time, like you're it's new. So you're just noticing everything. Yeah. Right now. And like the intensity of that is very hard in the beginning and can be very triggering for a lot of people. A lot of people don't make it through that phase because it's so challenging. But the farther you get into this, um, and if you're doing it by walking with the Lord closely, you're basically just shifting your focus from that kind of information to God, to the mm-hmm. word. And so the rest of it kind of starts just fading okay. into the background. The more you, it's kind of that um, Lisa Turker's line, you steer where you stare. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you just fix your eyes on Jesus with that, that stuff will become less triggering as you go along and less, uh, not less noticeable because you can't unsee it. Right. You, like you've got eyes to see now and you don't want to lose that. It's actually a gift. It makes okay. it hard, but like you have to be able to see that layer behind it, that spiritual warfare that's behind it. Um, so it's challenging, but you got to praise, uh, praise the Lord for that gift in the beginning of being able to see it because some people don't get there either. Right. So it's just part of it. It's hard. This whole thing is so hard because it's countercultural. Right. But I think that's the part is the triggering part. It's like you're making freedom and then you hear this comment or see someone engaging in a habit that you used to do that you're fighting against. And it's like triggering to, you know, and I have to be so careful not to just want to live in a bubble because I'm so afraid to be triggered and nobody feels comfortable being around me because, you know, every comment out of their mouth, they're like, oh, sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that or whatever. But I love that you're saying like it fades a little bit in its intensity and its ability to trigger. You're aware of it. You see it, but it's not necessarily pushing you back a step or two. So I love that. I'm curious, though, do you feel the need to correct people to enlighten them in those conversations? I'm sure it depends on the situation, but do you just let it go or do you say, you know what, I see it differently or I used to be like that and I'm not now. It's totally 
case specific. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's kind of like oh, it, it really challenges you to be spirit led in your interactions with people because mm -hmm. sometimes you do have a window open and you can take advantage and plant a seed. And sometimes mm -hmm. you got to put your boundary up and protect yourself. And sometimes <laughs> you just pray for that person and it's going to be different every time. And I think the goal there, you know, it's, it's, and maybe I'm just not an evangelist, but it's like, I'm not going out chasing people down and being like, Jesus, like, I'll say something and I'll share my experience, but it's not my job to convince anybody and everybody's on their journey. And so one of the things that can be really challenging in the beginning, and this is a way that people treat it like a diet, is it's like, you're not crusading for this. Like you're not trying to get everybody on the same diet that you're on. Like, yes, I believe this is God's plan for food and bodies and how we were designed to eat, but you can't just preach it with like no consideration for the person you're talking to because that's not loving and yeah. that's making it more about you than about the other person. Yeah, that's good. So next question I have for you is which principle was the hardest to adopt and why? Okay. So the hardest one for me was gentle nutrition. Like the mm -hmm. last principle, it's number 10 for a reason. It's very advanced. And, you know, we teach on the podcast, like, Hey, put a pin in this one, <laughs> like get to it next year. Like, don't worry about it. Your, bo your body really will get you the stuff you need with mm -hmm. cravings and telling you how to eat and everything. So the risk for a lot of people, especially if you're coming from a restrictive background or maybe even orthorexia, your, your risk of applying gentle nutrition, if you haven't healed the diet mentality, is that you're just going to go all the way back to the beginning and have to start over or not start over completely, but have a pretty, pre pretty significant backslide. So the benefits of that one are very strong. I do believe in nutrition. Like it's such an amazing resource and mm -hmm. the, the way different foods nourish us, like only God, come on, it's amazing. But that is <laughs> for a later time. And the longer you've been in dieting, the longer it's probably going to take you to get to that. Um, that makes sense. So it's really challenging. And that's what I said last week. I said, I have not touched this one. I don't plan to touch it. There's so much work I have to do before getting there because no, I hear that. Yeah. It's just a slippery slope of why am I eliminating this? What is my motive? And I want to get to a place where it's like, I just do not feel great after I eat that. And so I'm not going to, but not because I'm trying to manipulate my body or my shape or my size yep. or that there's morality around it. It's purely, I don't like the taste of that, or I don't like the way it makes me feel. And that's why I love all the specifics we talk about with just hunger isn't just physical. There's situational hunger that's holiday related and all of the other emotional hunger that allows you to eat for different reasons. And so, yeah, I'm not ready for that one, but would you say that you have at this point in your journey adopted that 10th principle and what does that look like? Or is it? Yeah, I think I've finally gotten to it. It hasn't really changed what I'm doing. Okay. It's just, I'm not putting up that little buffer, which was like, I know myself so well. I came out of a extremely restrictive orthorexic background. For the record, when I'm saying orthorexia, I'm meaning, I guess, the latest eating disorder, so to speak, which is paraphrased as an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. For example, if you cut out entire food groups or only ate at certain times of days or had to put everything in a little color-coded container, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that that was me. I'm not shaming you because I've been there. Um, but yeah, so like it doesn't really change what I'm doing because I'm really, um, really leaning into my body to give me guidance for that. 
and it does. So it's, it's like, I'm just letting it happen. And occasionally, occasionally I'll have to make like a, a more concerted effort to be like, okay, I know I really need this. So I'm going to choose a food that's going to give me some of that. Like yeah. if I'm feeling, you know, coming off feeling like I've got a cold or something like that, yeah. something like that to, to address a specific thing at a certain time, not yeah. just generally. And right. it's nice. It's really nice to kind of just turn off that part of my brain that used to be constantly doing calculus and macros and all the things. It's like, nope, I don't need to worry about that anymore because my body will tell me. And it does. Praise yeah. God. Praise God. <laughs> it's amazing. It tells us. Right. I know. It's such an it's such an amazing design. It's just incredible. I'm in awe every time I think about that for longer than like two seconds. Yeah. And I, you guys mentioned this too on the podcast. Like if you have been in a season or a long journey of anorexia or bulimia or anything restrictive where you've lost the hunger um, or full cues, those can come back with time. And so listening to your body right now might be a journey that you need to go on to start hearing those and knowing those signals of hunger and fullness. So don't be discouraged by that. Um, and I think the other thing is like on this journey, a lot of times we're like, we don't feel safe with food. We're like, if there weren't boundaries or restrictions or food groups eliminated, what would we do alone with that food? Um, and I think that was my biggest fear. I've said that for years. Like I can't be trusted with X or I just don't have that in my house. Cause it's not an option that I would trust myself with. Yeah. And I remember everybody looking at me like, you're the most disciplined person in the world. You wouldn't do anything. but. <laughs> In my mind, I could, because when you are depriving yourself, your biological signals say, I need that and I want that. So I will go on a quest for that. And I just remember, and I think I heard you guys talk about this too. It's like, it was like, I was trying to fill whatever that need was that I was depriving myself with every substitute of it. I think you talked about that, like all the baking you did to try and make it healthy, but tasted terrible or just didn't satisfy that need. And so you're like, Oh, on to the next recipe that doesn't work versus just make it the way your body wants it and you're craving, eat it, you're done, you move on with life versus <laughs> trying to recreate the recipe that doesn't work. Yes. Please don't waste time on that. It is just like nothing satisfies like the thing that you're wanting. Like it's better to just have the thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and be done with it. You're done. It's a pretty freeing thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think because we don't give us, give ourselves what we want, we keep eating whatever that is thinking, Oh, maybe another little bite. It's going to help. And so we don't trust ourselves with the real thing because we know how we act with the fake thing, but the yeah. fake thing didn't satisfy us. Yeah. You give yourself the real thing. Mm-hmm. You, you feel satisfied. Yeah. You move on. You're getting around two principles there. And this is how this goes to your point earlier about how everything is interrelated. Like all these principles, you need them together. Unconditional permission to eat whatever that food is that you're craving. Exactly. Tying in with the satisfaction that you're meant to be eating out of food. Like pleasure is allowed. (laughs) It is a gift from God. Like let's not be afraid of it anymore. I know all of those uh, really terrible formative ads for like snack wells when I was a kid are like telling you it's sinfully delicious. Right. <laughs> like, right. No tear of putting sin on my food. Like Right. No. <laughs> exactly. So my third question was, which principle do you think can be hardest for most people? So maybe not you, but when you've talked with people, friends, um, listeners to your podcast, where, where do you think people stumble a little bit? It's going back to the first one again, because people just really don't understand um, 
the health at every size science and the just the body of research that's behind intuitive eating now that has been out for so many decades. It's like this belief that you have that thin equals healthy is not supported by science. This belief that thin equals happy is also not supported by science, let alone lived experience. So people just can't let go of that. And they're really like, oh, but I need to lose weight. And it's like, says diet culture. Right. (laughs) And no one else. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work scientifically and it doesn't work biblically. And that just blows people away because that's mm-hmm. not what we're taught in culture. And that's not what we're taught at a lot of churches either. So mm-hmm. um, that's definitely, I see the most people get stuck on weight. It's like, oh, but, but my weight. And it's like, oh, this is, this is why it's principle one. If you can't put weight on the back burner, if you can't just move it aside and stop worrying about it for one minute of your life, it's just, this is not going to work. Like you have to surrender that and people don't want to let go. Well, the health at every size, I would say that blew my mind and I feel like I resisted it. Mm -hmm. And I still probably do because I feel like I've got 30 plus years of a different mantra that has played in my head and then a belief system that I've adopted for myself. And now I've spent, let's say two decades trying to fulfill that a lot, you know, that idea that my worth is based on how much I weigh or how I look. And, and so that is a a tough concept, but it is amazing now that I, my eyes have been open to that. Like when I look at people, I'm not thinking they need to lose weight. I'm like, that's how God designed them. And that is a freeing thing for myself and for them and the lack of judgment. Um, I mean, there's just so many thoughts that go through my head when I'd see people at the gym that I thought needed to lose weight. And it's like, this isn't working for them. It's like, no, they're taking, hopefully take care of their body the way they want to. And this is the way God designed them. They're not, it's not the purpose of manipulating the body to be different than the design. So that's a hard principle to understand, to adopt yeah. and get on board with. So I agree with that. It definitely one. is. That's, that's probably where most people get stuck. You can't move yeah. past it. So which principle do you, do you see yourself relying on most often now in your journey saying that you're a little bit more experienced? So further along than me, what are, what's the one that you often are relying on? I am constantly challenging the food police and the work police and the how clean is my house police and every other police there is like I've completely run with the mindfulness in that principle and it just trickles out into all areas of your life like yes this is a very very critical skill that you need in mm-hmm. healing your relationship with food and body but then it's going to go and heal everything else going on in your life and your home. And it's amazing. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I definitely lean heavy on the taking diet thoughts captive and taking just basically any negative thought captive at this point, because negativity, um, for me and just kind of that like critical self-talk that we all do wasn't just happening about food and body and clothes and makeup and hair. It was happening about everything. So it's like, okay, I conquered it in this realm. Like thanks to intuitive eating, I know that this will work. (laughs) And so I can try it um, in other areas of life, which is just a delight. And I have a friend who has, you know, definitely been down the journey of eating disorder and now would say she's fully recovered. And she may, she's like, I'll hear thoughts 
but I don't act on them anymore. And I think that's what you're saying. It's like you're challenging the food police. So they, the food police might say something like you're eating at the wrong time. You're eating too much. You already ate. You just ate whatever it is that they're policing. And she's like, I hear it, but it doesn't change what I'm doing. Is that similar for you? Or do you need to combat it with specifics of, yeah, I did just eat, but I also did this. And I, my body needs, like, are you talking with the conversing with the police or I I was in the beginning? Yeah. Cause it needed it. Um, But now this, it's kind of like that voice is, uh, fewer and farther between like things dim with time and mm-hmm. and you know you you speak truth to the lie enough times and it starts to not come up so often oh, so yeah. but in the beginning i definitely had to like pull out my weapons my scripture verses my truth my principles of intuitive eating and be like nope this is wrong like no this is the lie i'm believing in this statement or this thought and kind of you know have that little back and forth <laughs> with yourself with your roommate which is how i kind of personified uh that inner voice but you know sometimes it's not always a, a roommate analogy that worked for me because that came from the untethered soul book that i read at just the right time that was so mm-hmm. amazing but i think for a lot of people they might actually be hearing a voice like from a spouse or a parent and it can be really hard to deal with when um, it's outside of your own head. But like being able to think about your thoughts and manage them and speak truth to them um, inside your own head <laughs> then translates to doing that in conversation with other people. So like the spillover of all of that is just great. So I'm curious, and this is off topic, but you're married. You talk about your dates with your husband cooking and doing themes with music and all that. And I love it. I'm curious because, you know, I'm sharing some of these things I'm learning with my husband because, of course, it's really powerful to me. Um, But most of it, I'm doing internal work with myself and other women that are in a very similar place. So I'm curious, has he adopted some of those intuitive eating principles? Did he already have them? Do you ever see him maybe doing more of the diet culture thing and you're like, correcting him on that? Or what does that dynamic look like in your marriage? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm trying to lead by example, which is about all you can do. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on their own path, even sure. people in your own home. And I think he probably still doesn't fully understand the haze, the health at every size science. And just like, is kind of, I'm assuming this, I'm kind of speculating from just watching how this has played out over the last couple of years. Certainly 100% supportive of what I'm doing, but it's like everybody does what's right for them. So he sometimes wants to restrict certain things or, you know, do things in a certain way. And I'm like, okay, but we've, we've, we've evolved a little bit. And I think I'm leading by example in ways that, uh, that is helping him as well. So, um, but no, I would not call him an intuitive eater, even though we're all born intuitive eaters, having dieted for so long. And this is the thing that's like crazy. It's like, it's not, it's not just women, like the men have been doing it too. And it's like, yeah, we used to do like the same eating and workout plans together. And like, I'm just doing something different now. So, um, it's very complicated and difficult, yeah. but I think it just, it encourages me to just keep leading by example yeah. and like yeah. modeling what, mm-hmm. um, what I'm hoping he will one day adopt fully. Right. Yeah. Cause I think like you said, as you get further in the journey, it's less triggering. Cause I'm like, I have to fight against the triggering part of it. You know, he's like, I'm going on a diet on Monday and I'm, you know, I have to fight the thought of, nope, that's not what I'm going to do. That's, and then you throw kids in the mix. We have three littles. 
And, you know, my daughter's like, daddy, why aren't you eating that? And he goes in to explain it. And I'm like, you know, cringing because I'm like, I don't want her to have the life that I've had, you know, the diet hell, you know, is yeah. with an eating disorder. And so it's, that is definitely challenging. But like you said, just leading by example, trying to um, show my kids, like really follow their example. They're the best intuitive eaters I've ever seen. They are. They oh. are not worried about what they look like. They are like, all right, I'm done with that. Now on to the next thing. Like, <laughs> they're the best they're my motivation because i watch them and i'm like you're just you know in my mind i'm like you're gonna leave that last bite and they're like done you know it doesn't even phase yeah. them to finish the plate and yeah i love that and they eat when they're hungry they stop when you know they're full but then if something fun exciting comes available they eat situationally you know it's like they're the best intuitive eaters. Well, I was curious just about that within marriage and the home, because I think that's a whole nother level when you're bringing it between you and your spouse and then friends and all these other, other layers. So I was curious how that yeah. works. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So which principle do you have to still remind yourself on a daily basis? You, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these principles at this point, but now where you're at in the journey, is there one where you're constantly saying, Hey, that principle I feel like the one that I probably need to be reminded of the most and the one that can get triggered the most um, would be body image related stuff, which would fall under the principle for respect your body. So, um, and that's just, you know, especially since coming, coming out of decades of dieting, like what respecting my body meant to me at one time is now a completely different thing. So mm -hmm. like even just having to like think through, what what does respect actually mean in this scenario? Like, how am I caring for myself? How am I honoring God by how mm -hmm. I'm caring for myself? And like, what does that look like now? It it just still requires a little bit more thought. It's not as automatic as listening to your body. I mean, it doesn't get anymore. <laughs> Once your hunger and fullness signals come back and you know what they are and you're in tune with them, it just doesn't get more easy than that. But body respect and your the way you think about yourself does get. Um, it's not as automatic. You really have to sure. be a little bit more intentional about that to get it to stick. So I would say that's probably the one that I need to keep reminding myself of and keep working on to get even farther along. And would that, the example be you're putting on clothes, looking at yourself in the mirror and just having thoughts positive or negatively that you're either stopping yourself in the midst of the negative comment, reminding yourself that your value is not based on a number or an image or, you know, waistline size, anything like that. Is that kind of what you're. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me most recently too, it's like kind of played out in the arenas of clothing. Like how am I going to dress myself as a sign of respect and how do I want to show up in the world in a way that shows that I care and respect mm -hmm. uh, myself. And, right. um, the body image stuff, not really so much in what I'm thinking about me in the mirror. For whatever reason, that hasn't been as much of a thing for me as photos. Just, yeah. just I don't know what that. I don't know what it is. I think maybe like, do I have like body dysmorphia when it comes to looking at photos? Because like, I'm surprised every time. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to coach myself a little bit on that. And yeah. in the mirror, I'm just like, no, that, that's me. Like I I'm here, I'm present. I get it. But something about the photo, um, there's a little bit of a disconnect from the present moment with that. So I think, um, I have to just be a little bit more careful and, um, go through, uh, all my reminders and just, yeah. you know, preaching to yourself, <laughs> like we need to do 
occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and I would speak to just the mamas out there who've had babies who are nursing. I feel like the pressure and the discomfort and the disappointment and the frustration that comes with all that. Um, I think that can trigger us backwards yes. in just the comparison game of like, gosh, she dropped her weight just like that. And why don't I? And I think that's always been a struggle for me with each of my pregnancies. And, and then you get rewarded by people who are commenting, you know, of like, oh, you've, and that's addicting, you know, to hear those comments. And then it's like, at what point will they stop making those? Cause I'm not making as fast a progress as culture says I should. So um, I think that's a place you have to really caution. I don't know how to protect yourself from people making those comments, but at least caution yourself from the comparison game when your body is literally changing as it should to nourish a, a baby or to grow a baby. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't speak to any of that. I haven't had the privilege of being a mama yet or being pregnant yet. So I, ho I hope I'm ready when the time comes because the I, I guarantee I'll be starting over with yeah. all the body image stuff. And yeah. that's okay because it's like, you know what? Those are like, that's an opportunity. Every time you're triggered with that, and this is yeah. just like a reframing device I had to just accept. It's like, no, this is a, this is a gift. Like these triggers mm -hmm are invitations to return to the Lord. Like you have wandered off, you looked at something else, come back. Mm. And um, I think intuitive eating, you know, without putting it in, in the faith terms like that, really holds a lot of space for there not being failures like that. Like it's yeah. like, you're just going to learn something. You're going to learn what triggers you. You're going to learn what food gives you really bad GI distress. <laughs> like you're going to learn uh, – by experiencing it and let let that be just an opportunity for learning you're gathering data you're mm -hmm. not um you're not failing you're not getting it wrong you're just right. learning the whole time and learning and growing and coming back to your center coming back to your body coming back to god like it's it's not it really is an ongoing process and um, I think just reframing failures that way pulls you out of the black and white thinking and the all or nothing thinking that diet culture really promotes and I think most of us have been thinking in that kind of all or nothing black and white way of thinking um, for most of our lives. So to change that and hold a lot of space for um, for gray and learning and not being judgmental um, is difficult, but um, it's really it's really a gift and it makes makes the whole thing sustainable. And that's a good perspective switch too, because if you leave the house knowing I'm going to have different opportunities come at me, some that could be caused, you know, triggering or to see them as an opportunity to return to the, you know, the one we need, which is the Lord to remind us, um, our need. So I, I like that. Cause I think I get frustrated at people. Cause I'm like, I was going strong and then that was triggering and that wasn't helpful. And why can't you see what I can see? And so seeing it as an opportunity to, to just keep laying the foundation that we're trying to build here, I think is really wise. Well, thanks, Aaron, And I'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.